Hello and welcome to the Truth and Grace podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and I want to thank you for joining me today. I know your time is precious, and because it's an honor you would share it with me, I pray this episode packs a whole lot of value into it. On Truth and Grace, we tackle tough topics in three areas that I believe are so very important in our Christian culture, leadership, biblical literacy, and healthy church culture. And we do it by strengthening believers through God's word and pointing to his abundant grace. I don't sugarcoat it over here, but I do hope to wrestle with the messy in grace. On today's episode, I want to get authentic and real when it comes to sexuality in our culture and within the church. It's something not a lot of people like to talk about, but I think it's really important. There are blurred lines about sexuality within the church. Even within some churches and denominations, there is little difference between their beliefs and what the culture declares as acceptable. And let's be real, there should be a noticeable distinction regarding sexuality between our culture and the church. So today, I'm going to talk about sex and grace and everything in between from masturbation to porn to lust and sex outside of marriage. And this is just a short list because you know what? The enemy has a whole toolbox of sexual immorality to throw our way. Let's start this conversation with one of the first verses in the Bible regarding sexuality. Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God's design for sexuality was intended for one woman and one man within the bonds of marriage. That's it, and it's a fairly clear definition, if you ask me. You see, it was his desire all along for sexual intimacy to be shared and enjoyed within marriage, and that has not changed. Yet, our culture has hijacked God's intention for sexuality and turned much of this desire into a lust issue. In its essence, it's a sexual inclination that does not include the value of people or God at its center, and it lies outside the boundaries of God's design. Lust, at its core, is not defined as sexual desire because, you know what, sexual desire is good when it's in the context of God's definition for it. But lust is when you have a sexual desire and you take God out of the equation and you take respect for people out of the equation. This is what's left is desire. This sexual desire is no longer good or healthy, but rather a selfish desire for gain. Does that make sense? So sex, good, very, very good within God's boundaries. But lust is bad. It can be so very dangerous and harmful. Pornography, masturbation, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage or with multiple partners, these are all acts outside of his will and pull out others and God for self-interest. And we see it everywhere, too, don't we? Heck, it's on almost every single TV show, movie, and magazine cover, and every form is accepted. In fact, our society parades around the freedom people can find in sex, how it's a tool to express your identity. But we've missed the mark and made a mess of it. And my heart breaks at the way we've taken this gift and used it to satisfy our own desires in damaging ways. And it should break yours as well. Lust leads to sin and sin destroys. 
Paul gives a stern warning against lust in 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 1 through 8. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Okay, I just have to stop here because we're seeing this, right? Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles. Paul is saying to the church, don't be like the Gentiles. He's saying to us, don't be like the culture. Don't be like the world. And then don't wrong your brother in this matter. Sin hurts other people. And he's saying, don't allow this to hurt other people because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So he's also warning that when you disregard what God's word says on this matter, when you disregard lust, you are disregarding God. And that is a very strong and earnest warning. When you flirt with someone, not your spouse, that is lust playing a very dangerous game that will destroy your marriage. An affair certainly can do that. I have a dear friend who recently found out her husband has been having an affair and she's walking this journey right now. And you cannot tell me that an affair is not hurting her or their kids or him or others touched by the decision he has made. And yet extramarital affairs are flaunted in entertainment as exciting. And you know what? If you're unhappy in your marriage and love someone else, then it's okay bull crap. That's just disgusting to accept it. Am I right? Or porn. You know, people will say that porn doesn't hurt anyone. And you know what? It's an acceptable thing in our society today. But porn destroys too. It destroys your heart and your mind. It destroys your ability to be intimate with a real person. And it hurts families as well. I shared about it in episode one, but I want to quickly share with you my wrestle with the sexual addiction and how it messed with my life. I was sexually abused as a child, and while for many that might cause them to flee from anything of the sexual nature, for me it really caused um, a different reaction in that I started masturbating at a a young age in, in elementary school. My junior high had a porn addiction, and so... In high school, I was just a hot mess. I had a sexual addiction as a female teenager, and that led me to depression. I um, was put on medication for an ulcer because I was just so stressed out, and I was carrying all of this internally. I didn't talk to anybody about it. My parents didn't know. Nobody knew. I thought, you know, women aren't supposed to struggle with these things, and I was so ashamed of it. I wasn't even a Christian, and I knew these things were wrong, and so I hid it because I was afraid of what people might think about me. I was honestly so broken. I was so broken, and no matter what I did, I could not free myself from sin entanglement, and so, you know, when I was 16, uh, a friend invited me to church, and I gave my heart to Jesus that night. It was the truth, the truth of the gospel. When I heard it that night, I knew it was the truth I had always been searching for. 
And uh, I like to say that I had an instant healing, um, a miraculous healing from from that sexual addiction, but I didn't. Although within the next year or two, God did pull those um, manifestations that I had in my sexual addiction. He pulled those out of me. And I'm so thankful for that, that the porn and the masturbation had been taken away. And I thought that meant that my sexual addiction was gone. It wasn't. Um, there was still this root of it inside of me that um, because the manifestations were gone, I thought I was good to go. And so when I was in my mid-20s, I was in leadership at a large church. Um, I did the very thing I said I would never do. I had sex outside of marriage. And I know that's a really common struggle for a lot of um, young single people. I, I thought I was the only one until it happened to me. And then um, so many people share their stories with me. And that does not make it right. It is not right at all. But what I'm saying is this is a common struggle that our society and our culture is facing. And instead of talking about it, we sweep it under the rug. And that's why we have to talk about it. Um, and so... For me, when I when that happened, I confessed to my pastors what had happened, and everything I was afraid would happen happened. Right, I had to step out of ministry. Um, there was trust hurt in that process with people, um, with friends and mentors. Uh, my boyfriend and I broke up. I literally lost everything, and I was just at rock bottom. And it took me a couple years of restor, you know, of walking this journey to get to restoration. But God saw, taught me so much about that. Um, just about his heart and about grace and redemption. And again, you can hear all about that healing process in some prior episodes. But what I'm trying to communicate is um, I know firsthand the dangerous effects of sexual sin and lust. And let me tell you, that's a road of shame and guilt you don't want to walk. And I wouldn't want it for anyone. Guys, this is life or death we are talking about here. Are you struggling with lust or playing with temptation? Is sexual sin eating away at you? Deal with it. Deal with it today. The longer you flirt with it or harbor it, the more toxic it becomes to your heart and mind, and the more it will destroy you and the people you care about. I want to take a brief moment and just put on a pause on the Truth and Grace podcast to talk about something really important. I love this podcast, and there's few things I love more than encouraging and strengthening believers and the church. But creating a podcast, well, that takes a lot of time and resource. And as a full-time working mom, as you can imagine, my time is limited. But again, I love doing this. But creating the content, recording, editing, and posting, again, that takes a lot of time. And it's you know, people like you, listeners like you that keep this podcast going. And one way that you can significantly help this podcast grow and to keep going is to become a Patreon supporter. If you become a member and give monthly, there are different tiers starting at $5 and each tier gets you amazing benefits and rewards for your giving, such as free books, small group study kits, and so forth. But really, when you give, you help this podcast grow. You're giving to Truth and Grace Ministry so that I can continue putting up resources that strengthen and encourage believers and building the church. And so I would just be so honored and grateful and humbled if you would consider giving a monthly gift, again, as little as $5 a month to help sustain this podcast. And so you can do that by going to www.patreon.com slash Brittany Rust. And again, you'll be able to find out more information and see what the tiers and rewards are. Thank you again for listening to this podcast, and I hope that you've considered supporting the ministry. 
thankfully, we serve a gracious God who covers what sex and lust has exposed in our lives. He is a God of redemption and restoration. But to deliver you and heal you, He wants you to bring your lust and sin into the light. No more hiding it, no more feeding it, and no more trying to deal with it on your own because that rarely works. In fact, I don't know a single person delivered from sin who did it on their own. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You hear that? Confess your sin to someone you trust and to someone who loves God and have them pray for you. Find accountability with them. Don't do this alone. After my moral failure, I found a friend who kept me accountable. And I'm so thankful for that relationship. And I still find accountability partners with people I deeply trust when I'm going through something that is hard for me because I know that I can't do it on my own. God says in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Do you see the value and importance of doing life with other believers? It's right there in scripture. Don't do this alone. Listen, I know how hard that is. Telling anyone about my sin seemed like the end of the world to me, honestly. You know, because I thought I would lose the job. I would lose this, 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 and this, everything I've been working so hard for. I thought it would have been the end of the world. But I can now say that it was truly one of the best things I ever did. It will be scary and it will be hard. But I am so confident when I tell you that it will be one of the best things you will ever do. And anyone who has gone through a similar process will agree, a lifetime of shame and guilt is not worth momentary difficulty. So bring your struggle into the light with Jesus, with others, seek accountability. And you know what? Know that there is grace for those that love him when you genuinely seek him and the freedom he offers. Jesus said in John 8, 11, and Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. Jesus no longer condemned the woman, but he did tell her to stop sinning, which means you too should be vigorous in your pursuit not to sin to guard against the lust of the flesh. Briefly, I'd like to share four ways that you can start doing that today. Number one, admit your weakness. You must first realize that there is no sin you are exempt from. In fact, temptation of any kind can come to anyone. To say you would never do that or engage in this sin is both proud and dangerous. Admit that you are not strong enough to refrain from all things and realize you need to guard yourself against temptation in all areas of your life. So you might say, well, I would never have an affair or I would never look at pornography or I would, you know, never have sex with my boyfriend. Don't say, <laughs> don't say those. I said that and look what happened. By saying that, it's really a statement of pride that you're saying, I can do this. I got this. No, no worries. It's so wrong. Of course, I would never do that. That's pride. And it doesn't allow God's strength to come in and fill your weakness. So admit your weakness. Number two, put on the armor of God. The armor of God, as outlined in Ephesians 6, details how you should spiritually dress each and every day. So you're not just getting your clothes on in the morning. You're Honestly, you're putting on the armor of God as well. You must intentionally put each piece on if you want to be protected from the enemy's schemes. 
And it also provides you with a defense mechanism, the Word of God. You'll need the armor to withstand temptation. So explore that passage, learn a little bit more about how to intentionally put on the armor of God. Number three, battle with scripture. And this is so important. This one is key, okay? Remember, the word of God is your only defense weapon when it comes to the armor of God. And it's what Jesus used in the wilderness to fight Satan's attempt to throw him off. So if Jesus used it to fight temptation, then we should too. Find verses that strengthen you against the temptations you are guarding against and memorize them. Then, when temptation comes calling, recite those verses as a weapon against the enemy. Use the word of God to fight the the fiery arrows and darts of the enemy. The word of God will shut that down. Get it in you. And then lastly, establish boundaries. Boundaries are necessary for guarding against lust. And not just identifying them. So don't just make a list of boundaries, but keep them at all costs. It's one thing to say, oh, we're going to have boundaries. But then you don't keep them like, that's what I did in my relationship. We said we would never be alone in the house together. And we weren't. But that didn't mean that it didn't happen in behind a closed door. So I'm just saying, if you're going to have boundaries, which you do need them, keep them at all costs. These are areas you do not want to blur, not for your righteousness. Here are just a few examples of strong boundaries, okay? Copy your spouse on all emails with people of the opposite sex. I know pastors who have done this. Put software on all devices to block against porn. Don't ride alone in the car with someone of the opposite sex if either of you are married. I've seen two church volunteers, a male and a female, both married, ride in a car alone together, and then they ended up having an affair um, just because they blurred the lines and started spending time alone without accountability around them. You know, refrain from hanging out with your boyfriend or girlfriend at home alone. Remember, these aren't limitations to steal away your freedom. Some might think that, well, oh, it's a list of to-dos and it's just going to, you know, I won't be able to do what I want. (laughs) That's kind of sort of the point, but they're not limitations to steal away your freedom. Rather, these are boundaries and guidelines that give you the freedom to live purposely in your God-ordained call without spot or without blemish, to empower you to live righteously for his kingdom. It's freedom from sin that will mean life or death. I like to share a few verses um, that apply to lust and sexual immorality, and I would like to encourage you, if you're struggling in an area, in this area, find one or two that speak to you and hold on to them tightly. I'm just going to talk about a couple and sort of break them up, break them down. 1 Corinthians 10.23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. There's also the verse that, or translation that says, not all things, um, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And I think that's a great way to look at it. Can you do anything you want? Yes, God has given you free will. But is it beneficial? If you were to ask that question before a lot of things, the answer is probably no, it's not beneficial. And that can be regarding anything, whether that's, um, you know, drinking or, um, you know, using things in excess, whether that's food. And I mean, there's a whole gamut of things you could ask that question about. But you have to ask yourself, is this beneficial for me? And if the answer is no, then just don't do it. Don't even go near that line, okay? Ephesians 5, 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. 
And essentially what's being said here is that don't even have the um, image. Don't let anyone be even be able to say about you that you are in sexual morality. Like don't even get close enough to, um, you know, flirting with a line of temptation that people would be able to say, oh, well, so-and-so, look at that person there. They're in sexual morality. Don't give people that opportunity at all. It can harm your testimony. You don't want that, do you? 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Remember that Jesus paid the price for you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you engage in sexual morality, you are, you are defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this would even, this would be the verse I would apply to masturbation. You know, a lot of people would say masturbation, it's not, it's not sinful. And I'm just saying it's not beneficial. Okay, I struggled with it for many years. And it, here's the deal with masturbation. A lot of times to, to get to that place, you're thinking thoughts of lust. You're thinking in your mind there is sexual morality. It would be hard, if I'm going to be honest, to get yourself off without some sort of thought playing in your head. And so you might say, well, masturbation, it's not wrong, but you have to connect it to the fact is what is going on in your mind? Is there a lust issue right there? Because in masturbation, is God in the center of that? Is intimacy with another person in the center of that? No. And so I would say in so many contexts that, you you know, regarding masturbation, your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, it is not beneficial. It is lust because God and people are not at the center of it. So just if that's an area that you're struggling with, take that verse to heart. And then another verse, um, the last verse we're going to look at, Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And he's not essentially saying, you know, literally cut your right out eye. But what he's saying is, if there's something that's causing you to sin, rip it out of your life. And so if that's a person at work that you're flirting with, you need to cut off all ties. You may even need to go find a new job. I mean, no, seriously, it's better to do that than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. That's what he's saying. It's better to to cut it off now, and that might mean some temporary dissatisfaction or loss, but better that than your whole body be thrown into hell. And so those are a couple of verses I hope that have helped further sort of explore sexual temptation and sexuality. You know, these verses aren't all inclusive, but they do represent a great starting point. So for you, when you go home, continue digging into scripture for yourself and uncover what God has for you. I also highly recommend Mo Isom's book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. She explains really well God's design for sexuality, and it's a must read regarding this topic. So those are just some thoughts I have regarding sexuality and lust. Um, I'm going to be honest, this is a huge struggle in my life, and I have to say that because I know of the wrestle I've had with it in my life, I will probably always have to guard myself in this area. I'm never going to be able to let my guard down. Um, it's like any addict. You don't put yourself in the situation that lends to feeding that addiction. And so I know this struggle all too well, um, and I know how dangerous it is. These, these are dangerous, dangerous areas that will hurt you, and it will hurt those that love you. 
Hidden sin or sexual misconduct never just affects you, but it also hurts those around you that care deeply for you. Be diligent in your pursuit of purity, and as Proverbs 5.18 declares, rejoice in the life of your youth. All right, friends, thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is ministering to you or you think others might find it interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Both of these help the podcast grow, which helps get the word out to people. You can also become a regular supporter to the show and Truth and Grace Ministries through Patreon, and you can find a link to my page in the show notes, along with all the Bible verses that I talked about and some of the other resources mentioned on the show today. Tune in again next month as we tackle tough topics in truth and grace. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.brittanyrest.com. See you next time.